I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Purple Insider inside TCO Performance Center. Matthew Collar here, as always, with Ben Gessling, Vikings beat reporter for the Star Tribune. And you guys know what this is. Like, if Ben's here, you know what's about to happen. There, are, I have acquired a new crystal ball for a new coaching staff. I don't know if you're still working with the Zimmer version or if you have updated your crystal ball that we're about to look into, Ben. You know, I... I uh, I don't know that I got the memo, so we'll see if this one still works. If if it adapts from the Zim regime to the Kevin O'Connell regime, but we'll uh, we'll give it a shot and see what happens. Yeah, well, coincidentally, they didn't do a lot that was different from the Zim regime anyway. Rim shot. Uh, <laughs> so we'll we'll anyway. Well, if if you haven't heard any of these episodes before, where have you been? That we look into our crystal ball because Mike Zimmer once, when asked about an injury, and this is what I'm really adjusting yeah. to with Kevin O'Connell just saying like, oh, he's day to day. You're like, oh, well, that's not fun. Yeah, It's more fun when Zimmer says, I don't know, I don't have a crystal ball to look into. And, that's, and then I think it was like a local, what are they called, future yeah. teller yes. or something, sent him an actual yep. crystal ball. Well, I, I think there was that. I'm trying to remember because there was also in 2017 when he was talking about how there's no curse and i i think he was like i i got a wood spirit or something like that oh, too yeah. he was kind of riffing on this thing of the team's not cursed we're gonna we're not afraid of it we're gonna be the team to break the curse and then uh nick Foles had something to say about that but yeah there was there was that whole thing too the yeah, the crystal ball i think was probably um, yeah, probably an injury riff, and then we kind of went from there with it. Yeah, I believe it was Sam Bradford. I th- yeah, think that, maybe that week would... two or three we were asking, like, is Bradford going to be back or like what's going on? In 2017? Yeah. yeah. I don't have a crystal ball, but we have crystal balls, so we are going – wow. <laughs> uh, individually. Yes. <laughs> so we are going that to – That you use for telling the future. <laughs> yes, right. All right. <laughs> uh, we're off to a great start here. So we're going to look into the future of this season of the Minnesota Vikings 2022. And uh, why don't why don't we begin with this, Ben? Get out your crystal ball and uh, take a look. Uh, oh, the, the new one for you makes the no- same noise the old one did. It, it does, yeah. I mean, it's it's just like... Um, I suppose when they're you, not that different. You get a new model of a car. It does the same things you loved, but now new things that yeah. are uh, more accurate, we'll say, than we've been in the past. Oh, I've, 100%. Although, I think that our crystal individual crystal balls said like eight and nine last year yep. nine and eight yep. although last year no yours was a little off because you thought they'd sneak into the playoffs yeah i, I remember think I, this. Yeah, yeah i think i was uh i took the high side of it, it it's one of those <laughs> a little little industry secret here beginning of the season if you're on the fence about the team that you cover you tend to take the high side uh-huh. of whatever thing that you're thinking about because it makes the rubes less mad 
There's a there's a what I call the so, Zolgadian theory of yeah, expectations. Yeah. So if you guys know Judd Zolgad, this is something he's done for many years, which is put the bar just a little bit higher than you think. Yep. Based on how the team is talking and what they've done as far as their moves, yep. put the bar where they have set it, not necessarily where you would set it. And then if they come short, you rip the heck out of them. <laughs> <laughs> that is that the is, way to go. That is the Zolgadian approach. Yes, as, as he recovers from having his appendix out, I'm, I'm sure he's uh, probably listening and and uh, appreciating the shout out because yeah, he is he has used that to great effect for many years. Uh, yeah, and uh, Judd was texting me backup quarterback takes from the hospital. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So if you're ever wondering how committed he is to football that's how committed that's gonna be a tough bar for some of us to, to top that you know drugged zolgad is coming out of his uh, you know the, the appendixless stupor and to the the mullins the what? iv i'm hooked up to an iv but here's my nick mullins take right uh kevin seifert said that he was surprised that judd didn't break out of the hospital to run here for the mullins press conference which was uh, we don't have to go down that road, but like, come on, man. We know why you got another quarterback. Yeah. Uh, but so look at, look into your crystal ball. Here's what I want, where I want to start. So based on everything, you know, now, does it look different inside of your crystal ball from the last time we looked, which I think was probably mini camp. Yeah. We started to look in say, all right, what's this season going to be like? Uh, does it look any different or are you getting the same readings? Uh, well, we gotta we gotta dust it off here. It's been a, it's been a couple months. Just, polish it up. It, you know, in terms of the record for the season, I, I just got to take a little bit of closer look at this thing here. It looks pretty similar. I I would say it's it's showing maybe more in that nine win range. Uh, so maybe a little bit better than we were, but yeah, it, it looks fairly similar, I think, to where we've been. There's just a lot of questions that remain beyond the scope of the crystal ball to answer at this point because there are so many ways this thing could go. Are this is the secondary going to be able to get the job done? Is the pass rush going to hold up in terms of guys staying healthy? Is Cousins going to be better? The same questions that we've had, you know, really for the last few years, I suppose, with this team are are the same ones that exist now. And uh, the crystal ball is kind of reading it the same way as it has. I think uh, mine is saying maybe, like maybe it will be a little better than we thought, in part because some of the things that we had questions about in training camp have been answered maybe in the best possible way for them. And I think that starts with like Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter. Yeah. Zadarius Smith missed one day of minicamp, and I was like, it's over. It's over, folks. Enjoy your dreams, but they're dead. Yeah. Like what? Because you just, when a guy's coming off back yeah. surgery and the other team that tried to sign him couldn't sign him for some mysterious reason, then you start to worry that that's going to be a major problem. And I mean, heck, with Andrew Booth Jr., it already is. Yes. That those injuries have come to fruition already. But uh, Zadarius and Daniil Hunter are so much more valuable to the 2022 season. It kind of starts there for me. Yeah. Justin Jefferson looking like an absolute freak show doesn't surprise me, but, it, no. but you go like, okay, well that's not going anywhere. Yep. Feeling looking pretty good matters. The fact that like, this is a small one, but like BC Johnson looks 
like he's done well in this camp. Yeah. We didn't even know if he was going to be on this team at all. And now he looks like he's like a solid extra guy that they have. Yeah. And the offense Jarius right type. Yeah. And the offensive line does not look like an atrocity. It still could be because they're the Vikings, but it doesn't look like it. And I was checking DraftKings just to see, like, where's the line? Has it moved at all? And it's gone from 8.5 to 9, but it's shaded, really? but it's shaded toward the under. Okay. So it's kind of saying like, but wink, wink, maybe not, though. You're trying to tease out a little bit of money. Right. Yeah, I don't know how all that works exactly. but and, and part of it might be because the Bears have been such a truck fire that they're going like, okay, well, they'll probably, you know, maybe they'll get an extra them. win there. Yep. But I think that of all the potential pitfalls that they could have stepped in and had this thing go down the well right away, they haven't really had any of those happen. Yeah, I, they have done a good job of taking care of players, and we will see if that holds up over 17 games. I mean, Zedaria Smith, I, I think, was playing for a team that probably took a fairly similar approach to its starters last year, too, and that didn't keep him from getting hurt in week one. So it's hard. There's a randomness to injuries that you can't ever completely insure yourself against, but you can, I think, do a better job of not putting yourself in a position where you're going to be susceptible to some of those things. And they've done that to every extent possible, whether it's giving guys days off, not really playing anybody in the preseason so far. And I don't expect we'll see them play on Saturday in Denver either. Uh, they have done what they can to try to keep the roster healthy. And so far, so good with those two, because if they lose either one of them, it becomes a lot tougher to see a nine win kind of thing because that secondary still worries me enough that you're going to have to get enough pressure on quarterbacks to help make up for whatever you lack there. I agree with you that the secondary did not change my mind. And the fact that Lewis seen is not a starter right yeah. now and yep. will not be a starter more likely than not. If you're not by August 20th, yeah. it's that is probably over for you being a starter and not really getting much of a look at it in the joint practices. Cause that's probably the, the big litmus test for, for this team. I mean, I think they took that as seriously as they took anything in the preseason. Oh, more seriously. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And so how the reps were distributed was the most telling and he didn't get any with the first team, which means Cam Bynum. And I think Cam Bynum's a nice player, right. but he's sort of like defense BC Johnson. Like, yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. Just, you know, limited a little physically, but very smart. And you like him as a player, but he's not taking you to another level. I mean, Max for him is probably Xavier Woods for sure. like the yeah. peak of Cam yeah. Bynum, which is a great draft pick if you could get it in the fourth round. Yep. But that's not what you expected or what we were factoring in. And so Shannon Sullivan, who's like tweeting Arif about <laughs> not being good in the preseason <laughs> game or whatever. You're like, OK, the secondary. That, that also <laughs> feels like last year. Yes, Yes. Tweeting things at reporters that you're upset about. <laughs> what I want to say to Shannon Sullivan is like, you could do better. We've seen better. We've seen yes. better tweets at reporters. Yep. Yeah, if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna come at uh, one of the reporters, you can come a little stronger. Than right. That. It has to. There has to be. Uh, I can't go any farther with that. But yeah, you know what I'm talking show. about yep. with Bashad Breeland yes. and everything. Yes. So Google um, it. It's not hard to find. So I was I was having a conversation with uh, Bryant McFadden, who does the show with yep. Patrick Peterson yep. at yep. practice yesterday. And one of the things he said, and we're going to have him on the show at some point soon, but he said the first two games will tell him everything he needs to know about the 2022 Vikings. I want you to take a little peek into that crystal ball and tell me what you see for the first two games, because I kind of agree that if you come out of those 0-2, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So Philadelphia and Green Bay in reverse order, obviously. 
Uh, what does the crystal ball say about how this team will start the season with a new coach and with new systems on offense and defense? Okay, I am seeing uh, there is some green in the stands on September 11th. Oh, no. It's it's not exactly what the head coach wanted. There There does appear <laughs> to be some green at U.S. Bank Stadium, and they seem – they seem kind of happy, especially when Aaron Rodgers has the ball mm. because their secondary seems to be getting picked on. And the fact that the Packers now have, I think I see David Bakhtiari on the field. Oh, he's at left tackle. He's at left tackle. They got Elton Jenkins back as well. I'm not sure yet if I see him. That the part of the, the, the crystal ball needs a little polishing, it appears, but I see him having enough time to pick on that secondary and and not not a, a vintage Aaron Rodgers day in terms of throwing for 420 yards or something like or whatever he did 2 years ago but enough that it it appears the Packers are walking out of US Bank Stadium with a victory uh and the Vikings are are heading to Philadelphia talking about resilience and talking about culture and <laughs> how we can shake these things off but I, I got to look a little closer. It, it appears they are proven right oh. in, in week two. they It appears they go into Philly on a Monday night in a tough environment and win to get themselves back to one-on-one, avoiding any scenarios of, well, this thing's already over. They come back one-on-one, and then you get the Detroit Lions at home before you shuffle off to London. So they are, they're still afloat and still able to talk about all of the things that they hope they can do, mm. at least through two weeks. Uh, not not an ideal start for that secondary, but they did enough to uh, to slow down Jalen Hurts and uh, get back to one and one in Philly. So uh, yeah, I'm hearing uh, some echoes from my crystal ball, and it's saying one and one, one and one. I don't know how though, because I could see. Yeah. remember Aaron yeah. Rodgers last year opening day. Uh, I don't know not what good. Yeah, what hallucinogenics that he took before that, but they they're lost. not enough. Yeah, or not enough. Right. That's supposedly what's helped him be a great quarterback. So he said he's won two MVPs because of the uh, the hallucinogenic tea. I seem to remember him being good before that. Yeah, I don't he, know. Was, I he was all right. Thought it was McCarthy. Yeah, but uh, I, I think one and one is right. Uh, winning both of those games would be very hard. Yeah. The reason I initially picked the Vikings to win week one was because I thought. It's home. Yep. And Rodgers is still adjusting to these receivers. Maybe they and haven't we, bonded over a cup of tea. That's <laughs> what you're uh, saying. And we have not or played acoustic guitar, like definitely really correctly. Gosh, he's he's <laughs> like the dude that was in your college dorm <laughs> yes. that is just walking around without like sandals and no shirt and just talking about weird stuff and saying, Hey, check out this this song I just wrote on my guitar. And you're like, Okay, man, uh, I I gotta go. I gotta go get to class. But those aren't real chat. chords. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's kind of turned into that. The strings aren't even on right. <laughs> That's not how you hold that. He's he's back in Berkeley, even though he's thirty eight years old, living in northeastern Wisconsin. I remember joking that like he it didn't look like he knew how to play guitar in the commercial. Yeah, and people sent me this video of him in Hawaii, like horribly strumming an acoustic yeah, guitar. I think I've seen and I was like, some it still doesn't look like he knows how. And you and I both play. Yeah, so yeah. It's like, he still doesn't look like it. But I don't know. Maybe I could be proven wrong with a better Zapruder film of Aaron Rodgers <laughs> playing acoustic guitar. Uh, 
He I, may hear this. And, I, I and know, right. He does hear everything. Hi, Aaron. Um, and hi, uh, Aaron Nagler, who our friend who yeah. covers the Packers yeah. could be listening as well to scout the opponent here. So, but, um, you know, I think that it's possible that Green Bay doesn't have it together with their receivers yeah. yet. I think that's possible too. But then there's something flashing in my eyes. Oh, what is it? Oh my gosh, it's <laughs> Kenny Clark's number. Oh, it seems it seems there the police are taking him out because he killed Garrett Bradbury <laughs> on the field. Oh, he's being arrested. I've never seen this before. Um, that situation not being resolved in the first two weeks having who they yeah. do on the defensive lines. Yeah. That if you told me they went zero and two, if the crystal ball had said that, I don't yeah. think they will. But that's why I would think that was is that the interior line. Ed Ingram showed the other day, still a rookie. Yeah, you might yep. like what you see, but still a rookie. First couple of games are against some really good D lines, and this team does have their struggles against good defensive lines. Yeah, they do. And Kenny Clark and Garrett Bradbury, there's a lot of history to suggest that is a tough matchup. And I don't see, I don't think we've seen anything to let us think that Garrett Bradbury is all of a sudden going to be a lot better equipped to handle a player like like Kenny Clark. We've had enough reps to watch it from him against Harrison Phillips to say this is not going to be a whole lot better I mean maybe they give him some help maybe they play it differently than they have in the past but Kenny Clark's had some awfully good days against him and their front seven I think will be better than it has I mean that defense may end up being the strength of that team they've got a lot of pieces that still have to kind of get plugged in as well but they've continued to add to that group that secondary I think is going to be awfully good and uh yeah Kenny Clark could make things difficult so I that that certainly could be the reason they lose if Rodgers is not to the level of uh, the last couple of years in week one. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now let me get your opinion on this. And, and, of course, the Crystal Ball's opinion as well. So week three, they play the Lions. And I don't want to go through the whole schedule and just do the Crystal Ball yeah. noise every time. But uh, the, the, the Hard Knocks thing. Yeah. And a lot of times people get hyped off the Hard Knocks thing. And they, they snort the Hard Knocks football yep. right into their brains. Well, and it, then it, I can think of a, uh, a red-faced defensive coordinator that <laughs> built his brand off of that show. Certainly, certainly. And so, of course... As predicted, everyone loves Dan Campbell and he's doing things every day that are making headlines like, oh, yeah, Dan Campbell, like he let the players run a practice and stuff like, oh, that's how you do it, man. Football. And he's like crying all the time and just, you know, whatever. Like Dan Campbell is so into like this new layers of Dan Campbell. But Vegas is not convinced. Still, I think six and a half wins is what they think. Hard Knocks did not move the needle there. No, Doesn't I don't. have a tangible effect on the on-field performance. Do not believe so. Hmm. Uh, what does your crystal ball say, though, about whether the roar will be restored in Detroit? For the entire season? For the season, the, uh, yeah. Boy, it's been a long time since the crystal ball and I've had a conversation about the Detroit Lions. Wayne Fonts, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's been quite a long time. I, I'm taking a look at it, and I'm seeing... Better, I'm seeing 
third place, I think. In, it appears to be third place in the division. It looks like things are still somewhat tight between the Vikings and the Lions before that game in early December in Detroit when we all relive the Jared Goff miracle in Motown last year or whatever <laughs> we're calling it. I don't know if we're calling it that, but uh, they should. They it, it appears there's still a chance the Lions get ahead of the Vikings, but the Vikings looks like they go in there and win and put to bed any chances the Lions have of a second place finish in the NFC North. It looks like I, I, man, I really need to to sharpen this thing up. I need to get some uh, some wipes to to get this thing a little clearer. I think it's like. So Seven and ten, so yeah, yeah. incremental improvement enough to you know try to buy some hope in the future, and also enough to miss whatever quarterback yes. you might want to replace Jared Goff in the draft next year. It feels like we're always like one year ahead on tanking teams. Where like, after they tank, the yep. next year we're like, hey, hey, watch out for whoever. And they're not quite there yet. Yeah. And then it's like one year later or two years later. Cleveland is a good example yeah. of this. Yep. Where they draft Baker Mayfield. He doesn't look like a disaster. And I know their coaching situation was different. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Kitchens and so forth. But the next year, his sophomore season, they were a disappointment. And yeah. then the following season, that's when they won 11 games. That's when they were a legitimate contender. Even Miami may be coming together this year after. Now, they have a better record than the yeah, Vikings the last that, two that's years. That's a just saying. sneaky road trip in October. And, oh, it definitely is. It definitely is. You come back from London, play the Bears, and yep. then go down there. Yep. And actually, Miami, I think, what is it? Like the last two years, they're 11 and 6 at home or yeah. something. It's not yeah. easy to play down there. Tom Brady usually loses down yeah. there for weird reasons. Yep. Well, the, the, the one was very weird down there. <laughs> yes, yeah. The Gronkowski trying to tackle a guy. Yep, yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, but I, there is a scenario where Detroit takes this big acceleration. Yep. Because when you draft that many players high, yeah. and, and defensive ends, I think, can come in right away. I don't yep. think there's some huge development curve. So if Aiden Hutchinson is good right away, that was their big problem, is that they couldn't yeah, rush the no passer pass at rush. all. Right, yep. right. And then, so, you know, maybe the, the secondary de develops a little bit. It's probably not great. But the one thing that I just would not underrate is, like, the first half of the season last year, Jared Goff had literally no one to throw to. Yeah. And their offensive line was bad. Now their offensive line might be top five. Jared Goff with time to throw is actually a good quarterback. I think you should be afraid of the roar being restored. Like if you're a Vikings fan right now, you're not thinking of this at all, but you might get to week six or something and go like, man, wait, what? Detroit is two games ahead of us. How is this happening? Yeah. I mean, and if they come in here week three, I mean, say that becomes a game that is difficult or you go in and lose it like they should have at home last year to the Lions, managed to escape, and then they did in Detroit late in the season. If you lose that and you go to London, things get a lot tougher. I mean, London, you could have drawn a tougher opponent there, I think, but it's still it's just a goofy trip in terms of trying to manage the travel, trying to come out of it healthy, trying to you know just adjust to the time zones and all of that stuff. I, I, that's not an easy assignment given your first road trip's Philly, given the fact you get the Packers right away, you don't have a bye coming out of it, then you go to Miami after that. If, if that Lions game is not a pushover, things get a lot tougher, I think, early on for the Vikings. Okay, I've got a really good question next. But I want to ask you, like, who did you enjoy growing up as a Lion? 
Because the Lions were relevant when we were kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. They were good. I think their last playoff win and, was when I was like eight. Right. So, uh, uh, like, right after the draft, we were sitting in uh, you know, one of the rooms here talking with Kevin O'Connell and yeah. Quasey and, and Ryan Grigson. And Grigson, I think, played for Detroit for yep. a little bit. Yep. And so I was like, yeah, that Silverdome must have been rocking back in the day with Barry Sanders. He was like, wait, did you grow up there? I'm like, no, but the Detroit was awesome. Yeah. And like, they were amazing yeah, when we were teams. kids. They were in the playoffs just about every year. Who was your favorite Lion? Well, I mean, Barry Sanders is the obvious. It's right. just so fun to watch. I mean, in terms of, like, there's still nobody that since then that has run like he does where he's just able to get himself out of situation. I mean, kids, go watch, go find the Barry Sanders YouTube clips. It You have not seen anybody like that mm-hmm. and move anybody who moves like that before him or since him. So... He was always the guy that was just like, I mean, you see him on NFL primetime. It's like, he got out of what? Yeah. Chris yep. Berman going to whoop. <laughs> you know, something where he gets him, you know, he'd have like these, I think it was against the Bills. He had like the most epic two yard loss yes. yeah, ever yeah. where yep. he dodged like eight guys and finally went down. But so he was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, they, they had some good, you know, when they put the run and shoot, they had good receivers. Herman Moore. Johnny Morton. Yep. Brett Perriman. Yeah, Brett Perriman. I was going to say there's another guy that I'm forgetting. but David Sloan, the big tight end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they threw the ball around quite a bit with whoever they had back there, whether it was Eric Kramer or Scott Mitchell. and Andre Ware. Yeah, Andre Ware. Yes. Uh, the Heisman winner that they drafted at the top of the draft to try to become the guy, and he obviously was not. Uh, yeah, I mean, Barry Sanders was, was certainly the guy that was the most fun to watch. But they, those offenses, I mean, Herman Moore, I think, there were a couple of years where he was challenging the NFL single season receptions record back yep. when it was like a, a paltry 108 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Herman Moore was great. Uh, Mel Gray punt returning. He yeah, was great. Yeah, uh, they, yeah. Robert Lomas Porsche. Brown. Robert Porsche off yeah. the edge. Lomas Brown. Chris Spielman. I think. Uh, I yeah, remember he was watching. On those teams. I don't know if it was that w- this way here, but where I lived, they would show old NFL film stuff right before the Sunday football. I wish they would still do that yeah. somewhere. And they had a feature, like a 30-minute thing on Chris Spielman. And it was, like, awesome. It was like, I'm going to go tackle the hell out of my brother in the backyard. Yeah, he was certainly that kind of guy. Yeah, for sure. So, old Lions. But uh, we'll see if they do indeed restore the roar. I'm a little skeptical like you. Yeah. But I think there's a world where it happens, and it starts with their offensive line. Yeah. Where all of a sudden you're like, why are we not pressuring? Oh, yeah, it's because they have all these great draft picks at the Well, like line. you're saying, they, they have invested there over the years. It's been a lot of guys they've taken in the first round. Some of those guys have gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. But if they're healthy – that talent is still all there, and they can be awfully good. Right. Remember, the Vikings wanted Frank Ragnow. They ended up with Garrett, Garrett Bradbury. Bradbury. Yes. Uh, okay, so I'm, I'm looking to my crystal ball, and I'm seeing Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell, and they're close to each other, but it's too foggy for me. Are they embracing <laughs> as, as brothers and, and high-fiving, or, or, or is Kirk shaking him angrily? <laughs> Like he did with with Mike Zimmer. What is, I can't see, Ben. Can you see, Ben? It's about halfway through the season, maybe like three quarters, maybe like once the weather changes and stuff usually goes to the yeah. to heck with this team and the playoff graphic in the hunt and all that. Like can you can you tell? Are they are they hugging or are they yelling at each other? I hmm, I gotta look at mine here. No, I'm still I, I gotta do the, the firmware update from the Zim model. Which that we would have oh, known the answer. Oh, they're definitely uh, you know yelling at each other in the Zim model yes. for sure. It appears that there's there's a heated moment on the sideline, but not 
to the level of anybody wanting to to shove each other and start a fight like we saw last year. And I I see us in a post game press conference and. Kevin O'Connell has a big smile on his face and saying, you know, it's it was just one of those moments on the sidelines where uh, difference of opinion. I I appreciate the passion Kirk brings to it. Um, you know, we're going to be fine. I it 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 doesn't look to me, at least from my view on the crystal ball, like it boils to the level that we saw it get last year. I I do think the relationship is stronger. I do think they have some commonality and just Kevin O'Connell is going to handle Kirk Cousins better than Mike Zimmer did so I think that makes a difference but yeah it's not it's not without its rough spots uh in in my view of it either so I I go both either way on this because I can't tell in the crystal ball yeah the crystal ball is uh it's not perfect there's an argument to say that they're hugging and and high-fiving because Kirk is so much more comfortable in his leadership position with the team. Yeah. And the support that he's been given from his head coach, not so much the GM. Well, yeah. Thanks USA Today. But the head coach and the offensive coordinator, who seems like the most chill guy I've ever met in football ever. Wes Phillips. Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, quarterback coach and all that, who Kirk seems to have good communication with. They're talking all the time on the sideline. And so you could see where this sort of um, triangle of trust, if you will, between the quarterback coach, O'Connell and Kirk, and they're all on the same page. And when Kirk makes his mistakes or is a little less aggressive than they want, they say, get him next time, Kirk. And he says, OK, and then does. There's also this other world where because Kevin O'Connell's a quarterback. Yep. See, Mike Zimmer only knew one thing. Is it going in the touchdown or not? Yep. Like, that's it. Did you turn it over and screw over my defense or not? That's what Mike Zimmer knew about Kirk Cousins and what he was doing. And the rest was Gary's problem. (laughs) But... Or Clance or Kevin's or whichever. Whoever else was John related to there was either one of them. A different one, different person every year. Whatever other son of a coach was managing Kirk that year. Yeah. Uh, But... I could see where the details of O'Connell knowing every single route combination, he called it in. He knows you were supposed to go with it there. That's Kirk- not how that guitar chord is supposed to be played. <laughs> yeah, right. Aaron. Right, right, right. Where I think that Mike didn't really know. He just knew whether it was working. And I think that Gary knew, but Gary's been through this many times. This is Kevin O'Connell's first time with this quarterback. Gary uh, spent some time with a, a pretty good quarterback by the name yeah, of John Elway. Good, yeah, John Elway there, you know, as backup quarterback for him, shared a room with him for a long time. You know, he's a pretty good player. Pretty good running back by uh, the name of Terrell Davis. Now, he did deal with this actually in 2017 yeah, with he Kirk did. as the quarterback coach, but it's different when you take the W's and L's yep. and you're responsible for the whole team. Yes. I don't know because there have been times in practice, even though there's no yelling, there is stern. Yep. There is sternness with Kevin O'Connell in the way that he's talked to Cousins. And I think that it's very much like the top story of the year. Is is this better or could this actually be just as tense or more because this guy knows everything you were supposed to do? Yeah, yeah, there is that possibility. And, and it's such an interesting dynamic in terms of Kirk Cousins just turned 34 years old. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, I believe, is 37. Mm-hmm. There is a world where 
Kevin O'Connell. I mean, Kevin O'Connell was a higher draft pick than Kirk Cousins was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, he was no, a third. Yeah. He was a third round pick. Kirk Cousins was a fourth round pick, and they were what four years apart. I mean, there is a world where Kevin O'Connell is still playing in the NFL. So this, you know, it, I just bring that up because it it makes for complex dynamics in the relationship where it, you could, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but it, if you were a quarterback saying. Okay, head coach, you you think you know so well how to do it? Well, if that's the case, the reason you're here is because you weren't good enough as a player to continue to do it as long as I have. Right. So why do I need to listen? I mean, that is always, I think, a difficult thing to manage when you're a young head coach that's played that position because there is that thing of like, well, yeah, you're, you're coaching now because your career ended sooner than mine did. So what does that say about how much expertise you bring to it? I, I think O'Connell knows that. He has coached players. I mean, he coached Josh McCown when, when Josh McCown was older than right, he was. Right, right, right. So he, I think, has dealt with that. And obviously, they've worked through that before. I mean, they've worked together before. So I don't think that'll be an issue. But it is, yeah, if things get tense, it is, it's always an interesting dynamic, I think, in these types of young coach, older quarterback relationships of how does the – who defers to whom, I think, is is the, the big question there. The, the one thing that would give me some belief that it's going to go the favorable way for them is that the players demanded this. Yeah. That there has been no bones about it from Mark Wilf or from the players that they met and they told the Wilfs what they wanted in their head coach. Yep. I don't know how much better you could have done as far as a copy of exactly what they asked for. for of the Sean McVay model? Right. Yeah. I mean, not only that, but like a culture positive guy who is a former player and understands what players go through. He's and, from as south in Southern California as you can get. Right. I mean, if you want like the California cool, that's the way to get it. Somebody who's going to have their back at the podium to the point where we might make some jokes along the way about things that are said because they're so positive yeah. uh, that they end up coming across ridiculous. But I think he'd rather come across ridiculous to us because he's saying that Kellen Mond did some positive things in the game the other yeah. night when he clearly didn't. But he'd rather have that than have players coming to him being like, why did you tell the media I have a tendency to coast? Yeah, there's just, there's not, and, and Zimmer, I think, did that Probably it was a different side of the coin in terms of if if I think there is value in calling a guy out mm -hmm. and getting him fired up, that's why I'm going to do it. I don't think Zimmer was doing that because it was I care so deeply about you guys having a, <laughs> yeah. a closer understanding of what's going on, and I want you to be as informed as I possibly can make you. I, it was the old Parcells thing of I'm going to use the media to get to a player. Yep. O'Connell, I think, is probably looking at it the same way, but saying there's nothing good that can come out of yep, this. Yep. I, I don't I'm not saying what I'm saying so that they have everything they need. And and he's been he's been accommodating and, and has certainly has been good to deal with. I, I'm not I'm not really going down that road. I'm just saying he knows there is no value in saying those things because they get streamed out by the team. Yep. We tweet them immediately. Players see this stuff. Even if they say they don't, they see it almost instantaneously now. Right. So he understands the uh, the radioactivity that can come from that type of stuff, and I, he's just probably not going to go there. 
Mike was also with a lot of us for a really long time. Yep. And I thought that eventually he thought he was alone with us. Like, he didn't seem he to realize. He also didn't have a Twitter account. Right. At least he that we know of. But he just didn't seem to realize that this was going to be a big deal outside yep. of here. It was like you and me and Chad and Courtney and yeah. Sam. And it yep. was like the same people he'd been seeing in front of him forever. And so you ask him a question. A couple and others he, in there. A couple others and some who he was particularly short with. Yep. That he would just like, I'm going to snap at you because I know you and we've been doing this a long time. And that happened to all of us. And I'm tired of seeing your face. Right. And I'm tired of seeing your face because we do so many of these. So maybe that wall will kind of come down eventually with O'Connell a little yeah. bit. But I also think that he understands he's talking to the whole nation yep. every time yep. that he gets in front of that podium. Where Zimmer, Zimmer also came from an era where you just like talked with the writers yeah. and whatever. And you kind of said this or that. Like you said, try to get a message across through that. Not like we're blasting this out to, I mean, what it's got to be a million people there that is, follow the Vikings on Twitter, There is a Twitter, producer... Right? in NFL Network Studios or ESPNs sitting watching every one of these yep. head coach press conferences waiting to splice the clip of the thing that you say and it will be on social media within minutes at most, if not less. So when you get up there and talk, that is mm -hmm. the line you are trying to walk. Yep. So, And I think he gets that having just, you know, he's a younger player who has had social media, has been in media a little bit mm -hmm. uh you know kind of between his playing days and his coaching days so there's just going to be a familiarity with that uh, that i think is some of that's age some of that's personality but i think it's going to be different than zimmer was there and what that ties back into is that i think kirk didn't like that stuff i think that's <laughs> i don't think that i know that kirk yes, didn't like that yes, stuff i think nobody that's would like their boss saying something about their personal health decisions in front of the entire world but yep. other stuff too well Maybe he did have the read on the other side of the field, like, oh, Mike, did he? Like, yeah. tell us more. Uh, uh, yeah. So everybody hears everything, and I think he got frustrated by that. He's not going to get that from O'Connell, uh, and it's not. it probably won't be on the sidelines. It probably will be behind closed doors. And if they are having disagreements, it won't be as clear as it was between Zimmer and Kevin O'Connell. So uh, one more, because we've got to go out to practice here in just a couple minutes. I think uh, I need you to look at the crystal ball. Okay. There are certain staples of Viking seasons that we have. And one of them is the unpredictable loss. The, the shocking, how did that happen? <laughs> I cannot believe that the Vikings allowed a 67-yard field goal from Matt Prater or whatever it was in that game in 2016 or the Bills loss or whatever. Uh, what, what, do we, what do we think is the game that – is going to be totally shocking that goes the wrong way. Okay, I'm I'm looking in here. I it it I'm trying to I'm trying to make it make it clear. It looks like maybe I see two weeks after the bye, I see a really decrepit old stadium. Uh, there's there's a lot of burgundy in the stands. Oh no. Kirk is re Kirk looks really fired up. Washington's going to be terrible, aren't they? Y yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are. But Kirk looks really fired up about this one. Revenge it, it, It's the first time he's been back there. Ugh, there's like a bad pick. Um, oh, no. They're, they're, they're down four points in the last minute. They have a chance to go win it. And he's got Jefferson open. It looks like he overthrew oh, him. Snyder's uh, yeah. throwing up the double bird. He's going to get suspended <laughs> for that. Yeah, it's. I think it's that one, and, and then I'm 
sitting in traffic for 14 hours wondering what just happened oh, yeah. after trying to leave FedEx Field. Yeah, I, that's the I. It's it doesn't make any sense, but I think that would be the way is if Kirk goes in there too juiced up about the revenge game of going back to there for the first time and trying to show what they lost and and uh, we've seen some of those games not go so well. Okay, here's my funny one. December 18th. Do you even know who they played December 18th? Uh, it it's is... the most forgettable game on the schedule. Uh, I know it. Don't tell me. Because um, the Lions are the week before that uh-huh. and, the yep. pa- and not the Packers. Um, who's the week after that? The There's like a Giants in there. Yeah, that's after. See, I'm, this is what I'm saying is that there's no the reason Giants to remember The Giants the day after game. Christmas, I think. Um, right before, yeah. So this is like this is the Colts. This is bad radio. Yeah, yeah the Colts. just tell me. Yep. Yes, I was gonna say it's an AFC team. You know who the Colts' backup quarterback is? Uh, at the moment, <laughs> who is the Colts' it's backup? So, it's so good. Is this a guy so they lost? Is it Chase Daniel? It's not, but that's a good guess. I guess current crappy quarterbacks. I'm not as good at it, apparently. I'd say uh, you're warm. You're going down the right road. Somebody they've lost to, but before. you need to get to blazing hot. So this is a Bears quarterback they've lost to before. Um, well, yes, but not in the same context that you're thinking of. It's, it's Nick, Nick Foles. Foles. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I was going to say there's a Frank yes. Wright connection there. Yep. So oh Matt my Ryan breaks a finger. Nick Foles comes in. We're like, <laughs> oh, revenge game. Here we go. And then it's like. And this uh, is at U.S. Bank. It, yep. Where he, he won a Super Bowl. He's, he just has good vision at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yep. Just, yep. They run Philly special. <laughs> <like that. laughs> <It's> <laughs> Which initially was put in for the Vikings, as we found out after the Super uh-huh. Bowl. Uh-huh. Yep. The uh, the game that birthed that was the game at the end of 2016 that the Bears ran it. Matt Barkley. Yeah, we were all basically waiting for the guys that were swinging from the chandeliers to come down, the protesters that were up in the rafters yeah. to come down. So like, I spent half that game waiting for that because I had to write about the arrest. And uh, I don't know that I even saw the play happen, but I think Frank Reich said after the Super Bowl that we got that off of the Bears film, yep. put it in for the Vikings in case we wanted it for the NFC title game, and then we kept it in there for the Super Bowl because we figured this could still work, and then we ran it from there. So the, the Philly special started with a bad Bears team at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, obviously, it came to fruition at U.S. Bank Stadium. It would make all the sense in the world for it to happen again here. With Frank Reich. That's a better one than mine was. I, mean, I, good. I could see, you Yours know, I could solid. see it that way too. But yeah, the, the Colts Nick Foles thing—that's a good one. You went solid, but you didn't go like full Galaxy Brain on yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't try to uh, the updated Crystal Ball. Didn't try to drive the par four. <laughs> like I said, I, you know, I'm going to try to hit it down the fairway, and you know, if I can do that, that's good yeah. enough for me. Uh, well, I've thought about it. So uh, anyway, Ben. Well, this was fun, and uh, I think that. Well, we have not had our minds changed a ton. Yep. We are set up still with some of the major storylines, which will not in any way remotely include backup quarterback competition anymore after no. like next week or no, so. That's... So I'll be thrilled to not have that conversation anymore, and we can go forth with another exciting season. So yep. great I'll, to get together with always you. Always fun. Uh, look forward to dusting off the crystal balls uh, sometime. The the crystal balls that we individual. use to see individual that we use to predict the future sometime later this season. Well said.